0: Welcome to the third episode of the Smash View podcast. I'm your host, Sean Hurst, Technical Director at Smash, And today, we have a very special episode for you. I'm joined by Brian Kramer, CEO at Smarsh, and Tim Estes, CEO of Digital Reasoning, to discuss the new era of artificial intelligence and machine learning and compliance. Smarsh has just announced the acquisition of Digital Reasoning, transforming the risk and compliance industry by combining Smash's market-leading compliance technology offering with Digital Reasoning's advanced AI capabilities. So this should be a very interesting discussion. Let's jump straight into it and ask our first question. Since COVID, which digital channels are being
1: used more? Hi, this is Brian. Uh, good morning. I think that um, what's really interesting is there's some obvious uh, things that have happened uh, since COVID uh, and all of the resulting work from home um, arrangements that that companies have adopted. And Uh, What you see notably is that um, the adoption of new digital channels uh, along the lines of uh, Microsoft Teams, uh, Slack, Zoom, and one that gets overlooked, I think, a little bit is just, um, you know, mobile in general, mobile devices in general. Um, So not only are there new platforms being used, but new new channels in terms of networks, And, and we see quite a proliferation there. Um, and I guess to give the audience a sense, um, not only are new channels being used and being used heavily, um, but existing um, platforms that our customers have always had um, have been used more. And and I think one of the data points that's that's meaningful for people at least seen the overall volume of communications uh, since COVID increase, um, you know, on the order of forty to fifty percent, and so. There is more communication in absolute, um, and it's being done across um, many more channels than than previously.
2: Yeah, so I, I think picking up on that point, uh, more communication uh, you know means essentially more to review, uh, and that's where the the combination of digital reasoning and Smarsh uh, that we've recently announced uh, becomes. A fairly unique player uh, and provider in this space because digital reasoning brings to the table the ability to do uh, really remarkable transcription uh, from the voice files that are underneath these remote work platforms like Zoom and Teams and others, and we can understand the text that comes out of that uh, with you know twenty years of, of deep AI experience and dozens of, of patents around the space uh, from you know the earliest days through to recent ones. Uh, and recent innovations in different languages. So putting it together, it means that you've got the best capture solution in the market with what Smarts brings to the table. The ability to archive this data for investigation later, which is now a critical requirement, it's no longer optional. The FCA has come out and announced that they're gonna start essentially requiring the same level of surveillance uh, and risk mitigation processes to, to be put into place for things like Zoom and things like Teams and WebEx and other remote working tools and we know right now that that doesn't exist in most of the financial services market. Um, so the combination of the volume expansion that Brian talked about, uh, when combined uh, with, uh, you know, the the, the level of uh, surveillance is necessary to ensure that these uh, new channels are not just, uh, I hate to say it, but cesspools for risk. Because uh, right now they're unmonitored. They're open season. It's the Wild West. Uh, and we did it because we had to keep our businesses and banks functioning when COVID hit. Um, However, now uh, it's important that that not become a license uh, for abuse. Uh, And so digital reasoning and Smarsh have a unique answer, which is to go end to end from the data being captured through to being understood, it being remembered indefinitely, and then being able to alert uh, on these kinds of behaviors at rates that are better than anyone in the industry and, and with more proof in terms of tier one adoption than any alternative so uh, that, that's kind of how I'd position this uh, very directly, is it's probably the area we're most excited about. The world needs this. Uh, we know the regulators now saying you have to have it. Uh, and so with some of the largest banks in the world, we are now going to be bringing the solution uh, that's only possible by putting the two companies together.
1: Tim brought up a, an interesting comment around the voice capability. So what is very interesting now is the complexity of these newer channels and collaboration channels. If you take um, Zoom or Microsoft Teams, for example, um, they're a bundle of many different communications in one platform. So previously, uh, email is email, right? And um, an instant message is an instant message. But if you, if you have interactions on uh, Zoom or Teams, to use the example, You have voice communications. You have several different types of chat. You have document sharing, whiteboarding, um, many different types of communication in one in one bundle, and that introduces a lot of complexity for organizations from a uh, a regulatory perspective.
0: Yeah, the the fact that we're we're having to communicate just so much more remotely, of course, with having the from working from home. There's just so much more content and being able to perform your supervision or surveillance against that content becomes trickier. It's just, it's a real challenge. And and I definitely see that tools like what digital reasoning provide really take us to that next level and allow us to be a bit more efficient with this. But against this backdrop of increased remote working, how does the combined solution from SMASH and digital reasoning meet the needs of the FinServe industry better than other
1: solutions? you know i i think that what's interesting um in, in questions that we you know ask our our customers and uh and participants in the industry is you know fundamentally the questions they are trying to answer are am i capturing everything and am i doing it reliably meaning am i getting uh the communications on Teams, am I getting all emails? Am I getting text messages between employees or between customer and employee? Am I also getting, um, you know, voice, uh, etc.? And And so that's the first fundamental question. And then the second question is, really, where is my data? Is it safe? Is it scalable? Because we already mentioned the volume is increasing very rapidly, and is it accessible to um, to be able to extract intelligence from it? Whether it's a corporate risk focus, a compliance focus, uh, or even a business uh, business value type of focus, and what's really interesting. Um, is that digital reasoning was a pioneer in electronic communications and applying artificial intelligence and machine learning um, to actually extract much more meaning. And also, um, you know, instead of shrinking the haystack, so to speak, to find the needles, the digital reasoning capability actually goes right to finding the needles, um, which presents tremendous economic benefit to our customers in terms of the amount of resources to they have to invest to, to meet their compliance obligations.
2: Yeah, and picking up from that, Brian, I mean, we're seeing why there's enormous demand in the market for people that are doing effective uh, cloud-first management of data, like Snowflake, you know, was one of the most successful IPOs this year, probably in, in history. Um, and that's accomplishing things for a certain basic IT level of data. Um, when you deal with human language communications, uh, it's not as, it's not, uh, sufficient to just, you know, to store it, you have to understand it because you're being asked to do very human things on it by the regulators and frankly for your business. So when you take together, um, you know, a, a market leader, uh, you know, a quadrant leader with with Smarsh in the area of, of remembering this data, Of being able to access and aggregate it in in multiple cloud formats which is a very rare thing a lot of the 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 parties that compete with smarsh you know frankly have to bring into their own data center which is very backwards and and so we found it interesting to take that kind of innovative leader in that space and combine it with something where we've got you know two decades of work taking complete noise uh post 9 11 and making sense of it ai has been a buzzword now for probably about five six years um you know when we name digital reasoning it's because AI was in an AI winter and you couldn't call it an artificial intelligence company. So we actually named digital reasoning because it was a synonym for AI before AI was cool. And uh, and so in that, we've now been at this long enough to be vindicated and see why it's not just cool, it's necessary. Um, and with that, uh, I think we're about to move through an era of just getting the data plumbing working, uh, which is where people have been investing in for the last five to 10 years. To assuming something, a kind of nervous system inside your enterprise can understand the data. First, looking for risk, which is where you know we are trying to be the protectors of the enterprise together, um, and then looking for all this fundamental insight that can power your business. and uh, And so, I I believe that at some point, a lot of the large banks, and, and I'm not saying this too speculatively, since they are our customers of the combined company. Um, a lot of them are going to be tired of repeating the same lessons. Of let's buy five or ten products and integrate them and spend three years showing it's going to work. We can do this for people in in, in months or quarters and weeks in some cases uh, of stuff that took you know tens of millions of dollars you know of of speculative program investment. Uh, we can get them to seeing insights and risks quickly at a level no one else can. Uh, and we don't say that frankly from a point of of, of arrogance. We say it from a point of, of history of having done it uh and and i think that's something that we're just so excited to take out there is we want to advance the state of the art or the state of practice i should say uh through bringing the state of the art to people in an effective way that turns on faster and the business can get value of uh, instead of waiting uh for this you know these frankensteins to be assembled you know we're going to deliver the ferrari to everybody Yeah, that's a great point tim i think that
1: this is the first event in industry where you're bringing the data layer to the artificial intelligence, and certainly in you know compliance and financial services, it's by you know notably the first of its kind and what what happens or what's happening now is that um you know by combining the ability to um, capture index archive at scale with the ability to analytics, you know, in an integrated fashion, um, we've created this capability that we call communications intelligence, which is really the ability to um, see what's going on in a much more real-time fashion. Um, So shortening the time between, um, you know, when events happen or when things are communicated to uh, the point in time uh, when, you know, the compliance function or the e-discovery function or any surveillance function can act on those communications. And so um, this communications intelligence proposition um, is, I think, notably broader than just traditional compliance, um, but it certainly uh, advances the notion of a regulatory compliance.
2: Yeah. I agree, and the surveil. And I think surveillance was, in some ways, it's a necessary evil. You could say it's it's something that the laws require, and and you know people uh, want to use it in a way that I think is uh, very responsible. And that's one reason we've been attracted to it, is we think it's is a great responsibility to do it right. But the investment you make to do it right opens up all these possibilities that Brian is talking about. So we actually believe there is a space uh, that we're now enabling, that we're creating, you know, a category, if you will that is as big as business intelligence. Uh, it's, a, it's a space that takes the human data and makes sense of it at scale, first to mitigate risk and then to find insights that are critical to power the organization. Uh, and we do call that communications intelligence. Um, and we believe for all those people to made huge investments in compliance, uh, a, as they look forward, um, there's not just a way to make it more efficient by leveraging what we're bringing to the table and reducing their actual TCO. Um, there is a way uh, to get multiple you know use cases of value out of the same infrastructure. Uh, and and at this scale, like why in the world or how in the world could you afford replicating this data three or four times with different parties? It's just not going to make sense. so we we really put together, we think that you know the only heavyweight player with the end end as Brian is saying.
0: It's an exciting time at our company right now. And I'm going to ask two questions. so back to back here, and this one's for you, Brian. Why did Smarsh acquire digital reasoning? And as a follow-in to that, why is the combination of Smarsh and digital reasoning so unique and powerful?
1: So I think that, um, you know, saying Smarsh acquired digital reasoning only tells part of the story. I think Tim and I realized, um, you know, I want to say six months ago, um, you know, long before a transaction happened, that these two companies belong together belong together because we could meet a need and actually push as tim says the state of the practice um much further forward as as many CEOs i think um satya nadella and um and the ceo of zoom had said that covid accelerated the technology adoption that impacted them by anywhere from 2 to 7 years in in the course of months and what we saw was an opportunity to advance the state of and the capabilities around compliance and surveillance by by that order of magnitude as well by coming together and i think that's really what we saw now practically speaking um you know digital reasoning is the, the the pioneer in the space the only one that's been proven at scale in applying uh artificial intelligence machine learning natural language processing to electronic communications uh in financial services and that was very attractive to smarsh as smarsh had been investing in the past few years in the capabilities to deploy in multi-cloud and to be able to um you know provide an investment that is essentially uh future-proof to the banks where They don't have to go through this cycle of replacing um, their archive, which is essentially a content platform. They don't have to replace it every five years. They can go with one vendor who will continue to invest and and then whose technology can actually grow with them far beyond where they are today. Um, So a lot of those reasons came together to say this this became really obvious to Tim and I that these companies belong together um, and that we could do things that no other party can do. Uh, in our space,
2: yeah, I, I I definitely agree with Brian. When we we met up, and uh, it was like you know two companies separated at birth. You know, uh, one it had grown to a certain scale uh, that was really remarkable and bigger, and and that's you know why the language is what it is. And and the other party had focused on delivering a certain innovation that was a kind of a a, a big technology investment um, over many years uh, and and being the first at it. And, and I think together those, we, we do offer something, you know, both for financial services and well beyond. Um, we, we just, we think this is becoming essential in financial services driven by regulatory requirements and accelerated by the move to remote work, uh, and accelerated by the necessity to accomplish those objectives, but without adding a ton of budget because it isn't there. Um, but it paves the way that when, Communications can be monitored for conduct uh, that's regulated conduct. It can also be monitored for other kinds of conduct like uh, things that impact you know, racial relations, things that impact discrimination, uh, customer treatment and wealth management, which is really a huge issue, um, as well as uh, in other industries beyond financial services. Um, You know, it can deal with, you know, how well you can understand if your information that is confidential is being protected or not. Uh, And that that's a problem that impacts thousands of companies, um, you know, in multiple verticals. Uh, And so Brian and I see this potential um, uh, for a a true, you know, public level brand and market leader uh, for this problem space. And and digital reasoning uh, has always uh, aspired uh, to go there. And, And we see this as an accelerator for us. Uh, to deliver that and to serve the mission, uh, the mission of digital reasoning is to protect the things that matter. Um, we find that completely aligned with the the mission of of the team at Smarsh, uh, and we think that uh, this will only accelerate all those things we can protect um, and to to deliver on. So, and I think from a from a technology
1: perspective, just to be kind of more fundamental here, um, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning has been applied. Um, in many industries and in financial services but it has been done as a kind of almost a lab experiment and done off to the side where the 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 main stream of communications um, for uh, supervision surveillance compliance um, is happening elsewhere so they were done separately and I think that you know the advantages of bringing the AI to the main source of data as Tim mentioned a few minutes ago not only um, you know obviates the requirement for customers to have multiple pools of the same data um, but it also brings the intelligence much closer to the data which provides a lot more horsepower and capability to do different things um, and to provide insights into uh, into some of the risks that Tim mentioned much more quickly than has been done in the past.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the future and what that looks like. We've talked about communications intelligence. How do you see communications intelligence
2: transforming the risk and compliance industry? So I think one thing we learned as we started to do a lot of, of automation and AI you know, in the risk and compliance area, um, understand that all the technologies that are deployed in the area of risk and compliance They essentially have the same objective, which is find conduct issues across the the areas that a bank is obligated to monitor and get them to the point of escalation so that they can be addressed as soon as possible uh, and in the right way. Now, that has traditionally been uh, a bunch of crude tools and a lot of of fragmented data sources uh, leading to a ton of false positives. And a huge amount of human investment and human glue to do that review, you know, uh, escalate uh, potentially, you know, uh, call it a breach and, and move forward and, and be able to act on it. Um, what we have been doing is we have been learning how to make models using the latest AI, which are between you know five to hundred x better than the legacy solutions depending upon you know where a bank is on the maturity curve and thankfully there are some some really tier one banks that have been going on this journey so they're very high on the maturity curve Uh, and there are others that are that are looking at that and and deciding well it's probably time for me to get there too um and so what we've seen is that when we started this um you couldn't even review all the emails because the false positives were so high Uh, When we were in this five, six, seven years ago and we started delivering this to tier ones, uh, and so all the approach was based on sampling, Um, we were the first to make that comprehensive where you could review every single email uh, because the alerting could be improved and false positives could be reduced. We're seeing the same thing play out in voice right now. Um, and so we, we believe that voice is the next frontier to go from sampling to comprehensive review because of AI that helps people get much better yield. So this is all about surveillance yield and risk yield. Um, and then remote work, of course, just doubles, triples that problem because a lot uh, remote work, as Brian correctly said, is actually got multiple channels in the same platforms. You have to have someone who can bring it all together and then. A big part of that is voice like this podcast and having something that can understand different languages, different accents, different domains of talking and get it right and alert on it correctly. Um, and so between uh, traditionally communications, uh, between voice communications over normal channels and then remote work channels, which is the new wave, those three things, uh, they are a 360 picture you know, of what people are doing uh, on the areas that a company has to monitor um, and we've done so much work to make the alerting on that uh, vastly improved by having you know experts essentially teach our system that when you actually can deliver it at scale and you can leave no channel behind, if you will, uh, by putting it together between what, what Smart brings at the table and digital reasoning does, um, you actually have a new utility. You have a utility that makes sense of your communications data at scale. And it becomes a platform, a real true platform where multiple applications can get value from that and and, and business ideas from C-level executives uh, can go beyond PowerPoint and actually be turned into outcomes. Uh, And that's kind of what what really fires me and Brian up in this. And so let me pass it back to you, Brian, on that front. But I I wanted to make sure that escalation, the, the ability to use AI to accelerate escalations uh, is something that is no longer optional, and now it's more needed than ever because of the diversity, the volume, you know, and the velocity of communications.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the statistic that that um, that I learned a, a couple of years ago was that uh, you know in the financial services industry, about ten for ten to fifteen percent of overall payroll was focused on compliance, and that is for the reasons that Tim mentioned is uh, the number of platforms being used has continued to grow and the volume on each channel uh, has continued to grow. So you have kind of an exponential uh, problem to deal with. And up until uh, now, I think the available technologies still required uh, our customers to add um, headcount uh, as in order to scale their compliance and review and surveillance functions um we believe that the technologies that we offer um are so much more efficient that you know that that problem of um you know having to add headcount to review messages which think of it as a cost center for the for the for our customers they get no return from it other than risk reduction um has become you know, an insurmountable problem. Now, when you apply something that allows them to scale without having to increase the amount of of human energy input into the equation, it becomes much more of a business enabler because, you know, the, the institution can adopt new channels to market to new customers. It can use every channel to broadcast their own message and build new financial products and grow their own business. So that's really, you know, what we're turning this into is from necessary evil into business enabler.
0: So we're talking a lot about FinServe industry, and of course that's that's where a lot of our focus has been uh, as a company SMASH and I think also from digital reasonings perspective. But are there common needs between the FinServe uh, the FinServe industry and the broader enterprise
1: market? Absolutely. You know, I think that if you looked at a Venn diagram, right, two overlapping circles, one of them being financial services, and the other being, let's call it Fortune 2000. And there's there's an overlap in the middle. Um, and, you know, the financial services is always going to have some unique requirements because the regulations from the SEC, from FINRA, from the OCC are very specific. And from the FCA, they're very specific and they're very detailed. Now, if I walk into um, the CEO of a tier one bank, And I asked uh, her, hey, um, if I could find um, bullying, if I could find harassment, if I could find me too types of behavior in your communications, would you want to see that information? The answer would be overwhelmingly yes, across that CEO of a large tier one bank and also the CEO of a Fortune 2000 company that might be in manufacturing or mining or energy. So there is a great degree of commonality between the corporate risk perspectives of, you know, uh, the leadership of any large company. Um, But then there's also the kind of financial services specific uh, regulations that, um, that 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 were designed to address as well. Tim, I don't know if you have a different perspective.
2: Yeah, I mean, if I, I think you've, you've covered it really well. I, I was going to make it very succinct in terms of the, the the argument to the the CFOs and the heads of compliance and the heads of HR to the global two thousand. It's that if the people that are managing all of your money use this as an essential tool to mitigate risk, um, and they're doing it over all kinds of, of things from information disclosure risk through to conduct and, and you know discrimination other areas. Uh, you know, how in the world can you not have it? Uh, and and I I lay it out there that bluntly because, um, I don't believe uh, any of the leading companies out there outside of financial services, um, would would tolerate the kind of conduct that that we are now helping to prevent, Brian. And and I think that they they aspire to have great brands, they aspire to have great reputations in the market, they aspire to be socially uh, you know conscious, and. At the scale we're operating of in a remote working world, and, and even post-COVID, that's not going to change. Um, you know, One of the most senior executives, one of our customers had mentioned the, the scenario of you know, they're somewhat bullish that people will come back to the office, but the truth is that almost every 10-person meeting is going to have two people that are going to be at home or remote, which means it turns into a Zoom meeting, or it turns into a WebEx meeting, or it turns into a Teams meeting. And that means it's going to have to be potentially uh, monitored, understood, at least for the egregious stuff. So we think what we're delivering with communications intelligence is going to become as ubiquitous as antivirus. Uh, and and I know that seems a little fantastical because the idea that you could make it efficient enough and effective enough and, and cloud uh, grounded for elasticity um, enough to run it at that scale for all these companies. I mean, it, it might seem magical to have software that understands human language uh, in these diverse varieties that Brian's talked about. But I, I think what seems magical today is going to be necessity in, in five years or less. Uh, and I believe remote working is actually what's going to accelerate it to a necessity. So um, so I think the banks are being leaders here. They're proving it out because to some degree they have regulators that force them to go faster. But once they've done it, uh, that's not a just a check the box investment. Uh, that's going to be a business transformation uh, in terms of how good companies are run and we think good companies are not going to be just banks; they're going to be every good company, uh, and and we look forward to you know, being one of those technology partners that allows companies to be their best. Uh, and that's an exciting future. Um, so once we finished, we we believe being the leader in the banking space, and which we think we do, you know, bring to the table by our combination, you know, th- there's a lot of green field out there of this going from that's really cool to I can't live without it because we want to be the best reputationally in our industry.
0: I mean, you're hinting towards some of the things that I'd I'd like to ask on the next question here. But what does the future of the enterprise look like with communications intelligence? How how are things going to look? You know, it is beyond financial services, but but what is it going to look like, Brian? I don't know what what view your view on that is.
1: So I think that um, you know, if we could look at some of the attributes of of the enterprise of the future, you know, to describe the answer to your question, Sean. It's really about, um, you know, this, the ability to be agile but safe, right? And, and I think that um, if you look at the industries that we serve, um, they, they, they've moved slowly and, and, and are now accelerating because of external forces, um, but not quite agile um, to the point where, you know, they could stand up a new business line uh, with a new team, uh, and begin operating, you know, in, in weeks and months, um, you know, it typically takes them years. I think, um, communications intelligence allows them the ability to, um, not only manage, uh, risk as they continue existing business and go into new businesses, but it also, um, has the opportunity to provide business value. And, and as an example, um, I, uh, you know, about nine months ago, uh, was talking to um, a senior um, person, technology person in one of the largest uh, brokerages in the United States, and he said that um, uh, the man, the executive team in his organization wants to begin to use uh, electronic communications to notice patterns of the highest performing broker teams in his company and understand what they're doing. To to be so uh, excellent relative to either those groups in the middle or those groups at the end that are not performing as well, and so um, we see opportunities to use communications and understanding patterns and what's going on to um, to provide business value, right? And to understand uh, what performance looks like, Um, and so it's another angle into you know, uh, employee performance management to, uh, at the end of the day. But there are many of those opportunities. Um, I think we haven't even scratched the surface around the number of use cases uh, for, um, you know, the ability to capture all commun- all electronic communications and apply intelligence to them. You know, the number of applications is going to open up, um, I think, you know, year over year for quite some time. And Tim? How yeah do you, do you agree
2: with that yeah no absolutely I mean we, we you'll hear a lot of commonality because we we have such uh, conviction you know in this um, and we have it from you know doing a lot of delivery in this space and, and kind of watching what's played out. Um, I believe that the enterprise um, has been wrestling with the sheer volume of data and the diversity of it for some time. Um, I believe that they started to get some really remarkable analytic wins from the structured data uh, over the last three to five years. Um, And uh, that was enabled through a lot of the the Hadoop vendors and a lot of vendors who sat on top of that infrastructure. And now it's moved to people sitting on top of cloud. Um, What has not caught up is understanding human data and human language data. That is still very fragmented. Um, And I mean, I'll give you an obvious point. If you have the ability to, to bring in all of these data sources covering a 360 view of how people are communicating and how they're relating in the enterprise, which we now do, um, being able to take that and find uh, various kinds of human behavior, you know, a lot of which we talked about around risk. But there's also things like praise uh, when your customers are praising uh, the people uh, based on what they're doing. Uh, that's exactly what Brian's talking about in terms of being able to find your best performers um, then you're going to be getting into areas that you know, enable sales, things that drive revenue. Um, you can just as easily uh, move over and look at, you know, when is people, when are people asking for certain kinds of products, and you know, are you covering that well? Are you executing it? We do that today at some banks with the same communications data. So the idea is that once you've solved the hard infrastructure problem, which we think you've got to have an amazing data platform uh, for understanding communications, which is what Smarsh has. With a AI platform that is effective and diverse, which we bring to the table, when you have those things together, the data and the AI together, and you can scale it and you can scale it securely and be hardened, um, it stops being very interesting to go, um, you know, call it fragment applications. Um, So the analytics that allow you to figure out, you know, who has been dealing in secret information are very close, if not the same analytics that tell you you had a legal e-discovery request order come in. How do you fulfill it? Why in the world would you duplicate that cost versus leverage this content data lake with AI on it uh, to answer those questions? And we think the big players in this space, I won't name them, but the biggest players in the space think that way. They think about the the true utility at scale through a measure of integration and in enterprise services. Uh, and now the combined company is really set up to, to be a leader there. Uh, we come in day one with tons of those customers, uh, and we have a chance to do some really, uh, exciting ways to integrate that. Um, but ultimately what's going to happen is every person in enterprise, uh, they leave a digital trail in their data, uh, that is a little bit of what do they do and who are, who are they, as well as what do they know? And corporations are going to start to realize that's an amazing amount of value um, because, you know, if a person leaves, you probably want to understand, you know, what, what were they doing that was right? And what was not, um, when a, a company, you know, has to answer questions to third parties investigatively or otherwise, uh, you never want to not have a good answer and, and you don't want to go, you know, bring on the law firm for 10 million bucks to give you an answer when you could have made it a query, you know, in 30 seconds or less. So, so we're going to get away from an old way of doing business, which was based around all the expensive glue. To hold these pieces together uh, to a new way of doing business, which essentially makes this stuff easy, uh, and it provides essentially, at the risk of sounding a little bit uh, you know, too uh, light about it, uh, you know, a better workplace and a better quality of work for people, a safer quality of work because the missions and the values can be you know enforced in some ways, um, because you'll be able to say if something egregious like X happens, you know, someone racially discriminating, it was really obvious that you can find that and deal with it quickly and and not wait for the regulators or or even a New York Times story to come out that that really embarrasses you and your company and your board uh, and and we think that that should go into the past uh, and people will essentially you know if they're gonna act that way they can do it on their own time uh, it's not the kind of thing you expect to happen in a company I think in four or five years you know should we should we be successful with our customer
1: yeah Tim Perfect. reminded me of a great point Sean the last point on this that i'll that i'll say is that there is a an emerging um an emerging relationship i think um between compliance and surveillance and security so not the type of security around uh, you know penetration or phishing or anything like that but really around the security of the ip of the company um and digital reasoning has developed uh, you know models that can that can understand you know. Is there a risk of um, exfiltration of data, meaning an employee sends proprietary data outside of the of the firm? You know, and, and IP is the basis of the basis of competition these days and will continue to be. Um, and I think the risks that firms face, whether they're in financial services or elsewhere, um, is, you know, employee behavior that introduces you know security risk essentially to to the firm. To its IP, et cetera, and I think that's another angle that will that will become increasingly clearer um, in in the scope of of compliance and surveillance.
0: That's fantastic. I'll I'll just repeat again what I said before. It's such an exciting time at our company right now. The coming together of smart and digital reasoning really just my key takeaway from what you've been saying today is this coming together allows us to be more efficient and streamlined in the way that we extract value from the information that we already have and the information that we're going to be capturing in the future. With COVID, we've had this acceleration of the adoption of communications and collaborations tech and people now need to uh, match that with, you know, the acceleration of the mitigation of the risk that that provides, but also extract the value from that information. There's so much value in the information that people store. But thank you very much, Brian and Tim, for joining us today for what was a fascinating discussion. And thank you all for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Smash View podcast. And uh, that's it for now. Bye-bye.